Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy Two Vision. Eliminate blind spots and see right through every conversation with Happy Two Vision. Learn more at ajppitu.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Welcome, everyone. My name is Rob Dwyer. And I have a very special guest today who I've been trying to get on the show for quite some time. And we've been uh, dealing with crazy schedules and a little bit of illness. But I am honored to have Marion Belandra on the show with me today. Welcome, Marion. How are you? Oh, that was a nice introduction. Thank you, Rob. I'm well. I, as you know, you've mentioned, my voice isn't still quite there yet, but um you know, has been eager to speak with you. We've been kind of following each other's content on LinkedIn. Um, definitely such a huge fan of, you know, the content that you're putting out there. So I'm, you know, delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time to join. I know that you have a, a busy schedule. And uh, I think uh, the last time we talked, you were in Boston. Uh, now you're in New York. The time before that, uh, you were actually overseas. So, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that just to give everyone an idea of uh, who you are. You're the CEO of Star Mars Tech and Meridian Remote Teams. And so we'll talk about those in a little bit. But I actually want to go back in time with you a little bit. Sure. So you and I, um, we went to college around roughly the same time, although in very different places. Uh, <laughs> so you went to San Francisco State. Uh, you studied accounting and computer science. <laughs> and I, there's this thing about accounting that has this um, perception, we'll just call it fair or not fair. <laughs> what made you want to study accounting? Um, it actually stems from, you know, I'm, I'm Filipino and Spanish. Uh, my dad's family, who my dad is Filipino, um, you know, is predominantly in the medical field. My grandfather was a doctor. My dad was a pre-med graduate. Most of my aunts and uncles are, you know, either doctors or nurses. And, you know, when I was, you know, in my junior year in high school, thinking about what course, you know, you have that conversation with your parents of like, you know, have you thought about what you want to do in college or what you want to take up? And, you know, obviously the first obvious choice for my dad was like, so are you going to go into the medical field? And, you know, <laughs> my answer was like, nope, I, you know, uh, number one, I said, I, I get squeamish with, you know, bodily fluids and I don't think I could do the cadavers. I'm, I'm really huge you know, baby when it comes to, you know, I love historic war movies, but I'm the girl that's like covering my eyes every, you know, every second because I don't like to see violence and gore, right? So I said, you know, honestly, I said, I, I want to be a lawyer. I've always had kind of, you know, this warrior advocate advocate's heart, you know, and so I, I always wanted to be able to like make a difference. So I said, what about law? And my dad almost like, pretended like he didn't hear me he's like you know what he's like you're great with numbers he's like you're great in math and science he's like have you thought about accounting 
And of course, being a junior in high school, I was like, what's that? <laughs> He's like, oh, it's very easy. He's like, it's just plus and minuses and you're going to be great at it. I said, well, do you see a path from that going towards law? Can I be a lawyer taking up that, that course in college? And he's like, absolutely. You could be a CPA lawyer. And of course, not knowing what it is, you know, is just trusting, you know, your parents. I went for it. So I signed up with San Francisco State. I, you know, I'm the oldest of three girls and my dad and my mom, my dad's from the military. My mom's a teacher, you know, I've grew up in a sheltered life. And so they, being the firstborn, you know, not wanting me to be away from the family, I had to choose within, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area um, choice of uh, school. So I chose San Francisco State. My first year of accounting was really painful. <laughs> was painful in the sense of like, you know, um, I. I didn't find joy in it. It was just too repetitive for me. I, I couldn't imagine doing that for years, but being the good daughter that I've been raised to be, you know, um, you have to finish it. So that's where the whole, you know, minor in CIS, computer information systems came in. Cause, you know, talking with my peers at this time, I've already gotten acquainted with a campus and joined some clubs. I joined like a Filipino American collegiate endeavor, which is called PACE. It's an institution uh, in San Francisco. And, you know, hearing from my peers, they said, well, you know, everybody's taking up like technology computers, like have a look at, you know, and so I got to sit down with a few of them and they're like, yeah, you know, you, you kind of have a badass attitude and you know, because they always know me as the girl, the AV girl that always gets the, you know, at that time, uh, the projector is working or if there's a computer that's not, for some reason, I'm the only one that's able to like make it work. You're like, you should be a good tech person. You should go into tech, you know? So that's how that kind of came about. And accounting was something that I had dedicated myself as far as like my commitment to my parents, just like a normal, you know, obedient Filipino girl would do. And, uh, you know, finished it off after four years, but never really looked back. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where that 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 came from. That's a fantastic story. I'm wondering, because I took uh, a lot of computer science courses uh, when I was at the University of Kansas, and we went to school about the same time. 96. Was it? Well, I graduated high school in 96, meaning because, you know, in our generation, whatever year you graduate high school kind of defines yeah. the age group you're at. You know, yeah, for. I was I was a couple years earlier, but it's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> was it dominated by by males in those classes oh, that you were absolutely, in? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that was almost very characteristic of me. Like I'm I'm usually very effeminate, but when it comes to just doing things, I was always hardcore. Like I was the girl who knew how to change my oil, um, you know, and this transitioned into my life later on until this day. Like I, most of my friends are, you know, males. Um, I affiliate and assimilate with them a lot easier than I do with, you know, my women who I adore. But um, I think it's just some certain characteristics. A lot of it probably has to do with my dad being in the military and being the oldest of three girls and my dad raising me as if he would never raise a son, you know? So <laughs> I, I was the one that had, you know, target practice shooting at the age of seven, uh, drove fairly, you know, early. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a male, definitely a male dominated um, 
part of college during that time in college. I, I could probably only pinpoint maybe between myself and a class of about 60. Um, there's probably only three to four girls that I could recall seeing in my, my class. Yeah, that sounds about right. I imagine, you know, I, I know that things have changed a little bit, but I imagine that mirrors a little bit what you are seeing in the business world, particularly in tech, because it's, it's still very much a, a male-dominated field. So what's it like for you to be a woman and going to these conferences and, and speaking and, and um, trying to, to win new business and all of that kind of stuff? You know, it is, as a woman, you know, there's one thing to go through the challenges as a woman. It's another level to go through those same challenges as a mother, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I first started in business and making my way through, um, obviously it's a male dominated, you know, industry. Um, you deal with a lot of, even with the, the background that I have. And, you know, my first job was actually working as um, a technical assistant. That was, it's a way of basically assisting, you know, the director of IT for this company or this bank that I was working for as one of my first jobs. Um, regardless of what the background was, it's like people saw me for who they saw standing in front of them, right? So it's, it's the face. It's this tiny, you know, five foot one Filipino girl that's just a little chatterbox. Um, and then when I tell them who I am, what my credentials are, that I run a tech company, you know, I kind of get the, the brow in the beginning. Um, and this was when Marion Belanger was, you know, nobody in the Bay Area um, or in this tech space, the startup tech space, you know, from Silicon Valley. Um, there's a lot to prove, right? Um, for me, it's being a woman. It's being a woman of a minority and then later on being a mother of they ask, you know, and, you know, my mid 30s and now into my early 40s, you know, who's watching the kids? Yeah. Um, there's a level of um, let me talk to who's in charge, you know, attitude that I kind of come across when I, you know, so confidently try to approach somebody and like sell them a pitch or try to like build rapport um, you know, and I, again, even if I tell them, oh, I know I, I run my own company, you know, um, there's kind of like this brow raising of like, mm, let me, let me get to know you even more, um, which I actually love. And I take as a challenge because instead of kind of just taking me on like a first impression basis, it gives them an opportunity to get to know my heart. And, you know, that's, that's my superpower. Um, I've been speaking in a lot of like women in tech conferences over the past two years. I'd, I'd have to say, I think 2020 was the year of the women in tech. Uh, this is where you see all of these huge, you know, numbers of women in tech actually quitting from their jobs and starting their own startups. Yeah. You know, I think, it, um, you know, we were discussing that in one of our, uh, my panel discussions where 2020, you've seen like this huge spike you know, and, and movement towards that. So there's definitely a huge change, but there's a lot of work that still has to be done because it's not just us here in the United States. You know, I, I travel all, all the way to Asia because now I run, you know, Meridian remote teams in the Philippines. And then I, we've opened an office under Star Mars in Sharjah and the UAE. 
and you know my travels through Europe for a lot of conferences like Web Summit, um, Collision. I've just been asked to speak in this whole new uh, remote innovative conference in Montreal on the twenty. I'm sorry, the 16th through the 20th of May. And so, you know, what I find is that I'm still kind of getting that feel of like, anytime I come across anybody, it doesn't have to, it doesn't matter if it's male or female. You know, if I come with this persona and I, I share with them what my background is, it's almost like, you know, a lot of prying questions after. Um, which I'm deal, you know, I'm dealing with and I'm super comfortable with because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I know who I am, I know where my heart sits. And, you know, again, it's just a great way to kind of, you know, build a better, stronger relationship or connection with whoever it is I'm speaking with. It, it gives me an opportunity to share a little bit more about myself and, you know, what my purpose is. Yeah. So let's talk about, because it's been a decade now that you've been running Star Mars Tech. Yes. But I want to talk about my favorite part, which, which is, is the logo. Ah. So tell, <laughs> tell, tell me about where the name and the logo came from with, with Star Mars. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars junkie. Um, you know, that's what it is. That's why I remember we first I saw your R2D2 figure in the back, and I was like, this is my people right here. <laughs> you know, and, and you and I'm just like, this is why I knew Rob, even without seeing him, the energy through LinkedIn messaging, you could already sense that that instant connection, right? So I was a huge Star Wars fan way before I even started having children. Of course, as I had, because I have an older girl and two boys. Um, and, and we're the Mar family. I'm, I'm a single mom now, but, you know, my ex-husband, they were all M-A-R, and then my name's Marion, my first, my daughter, only daughter's name is Mariel, and then we have a Marlon Jr., and then we have Martin, so M-A-R family, right? And so when I was formulating, what should we name it? At that time, it was really more, when I started Star Mars, um, it was really more of like um, uh, consulting before we even got into deep tech. And so I just needed to figure out something. And I was like, you know what? I love Star Wars. And, you know, we're the Mars family. So I'm going to say Star Wars. <laughs> Until this day, you know, we've rebranded maybe two times. Until this day, I've had questions asked like, okay, where does Star Mars come from? And I, I tell this funny story because it's so innocent, but it's the truth, you know, and they kind of look at me and, you know, it's, it's a good icebreaker, if anything. But it's just kind of stuck. So that's that's kind of where that came from. Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, it's interesting to me uh, because the same thing has happened in, in my family and my extended family when uh, you have uh, children's names. Often it's the first letter, but you've actually got the first three letters that are repeated for all of them. That's very interesting. Yeah. So that is also very Filipino. Uh, you, it's in the Philippines. We that's why we have the Marites and the Marijong, and you know, because what they do is like, or a Marvik, right? Well, their parents' name would be Marie, and the 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 dad's name would be, or the mom's name would be Marie, and the dad's name would be Victor. So that's how you have Marvik, right? So, fortunately for me, that I wasn't you know part of that. But I think just from the cultural influences, you know, growing up, um, you know, there's a little bit about you know paying homage to my children. So, and I, yes, you're right. I kind of took it far. <laughs> <laughs> That's great though. It's great. I think it makes for an interesting story when, when you're talking about your siblings and they all have, 
you know, names that are very close to yours. Um, so uh, the, the kids will either love it or hate it at some point, probably both at times. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2020, you started, correct me if I'm wrong, that's when you started Meridian Remote Teams. Yeah. Tell me about the genesis of that and what, like, how did that come about? That is, that is my life story. I think, you know, 2020 is actually when my life began. You know, um, when I say began, it's when I was able to discover my strengths, my purpose, um, and what my main direction in life would be, you know. Um, so I've been running Star Mars for a good, you know, um, about five years or so. And I stumbled across this concept of outsourcing, you know, as we've gotten a lot more tech projects, you know, there's a huge need for outsourcing in, you know, the startup space, because it's ideal, you get a cheap, you know, um, you, uh, expense on, on building your team as you scale, it's, it's ideal and it's, you know, offshore, but it's with a, a group of people who are fairly great in expressing themselves communication-wise in English. Um, and the culture is fairly similar to American culture. So in the Philippines, I found an outsourcing partner at that time. Um, and in true fashion, you know, anything that I take on, I, I just take to heart. And so I flew to the Philippines, got to know the team, even though this was my partner's company, you know, and, and just immerse myself. Um, you know, it's a little bit personal story, but it's the truth. So I always share it. But at this time, I was already at the brink of a separation in, in my marriage. And, you know, just wanting to like fully immerse myself into something that I felt passionate about and getting to know my people and giving back and realizing that as a Filipino American who was born in the Philippines and then moved when I was way younger to the Bay Area and really settled there and built a career for herself, going back to the Philippines was a completely different dynamic where you know, I come across Filipinos and I engage with them because I, I know we're connected and they look at me like this foreign entity and I speak to them in the language because I still, you know, speak Tagalog and the native dialect, which is Kapampangan, and their eyes just light up and there's this like newfound source of inspiration that they drew from me. And, um, you know, I got to know more about their lives, how that whole outsourcing industry worked in the Philippines and, you know, fortunately, but unfortunately, I found a lot of cracks. I found a lot of like, you know, sad stories of like, you have people who dedicate their lives working this rat wheel, you know, of, of a nine to five, get barely getting paid anything, not much benefits with, you know, very poor style leadership. It, it needed a lot of revamping. And so, you know, as a woman, part of partner, you know, from the US team, you know, I've, I've shared with my partners, the frustration of what I felt needed to change back in the Philippines for for their company. Um, you know, needless to say, I, I was unsuccessful. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with being a woman going back to that, right? Like, who is this? Mm -hmm. You know, Filipino woman trying to tell us how to run our outsourcing center in the Philippines. Um, and then I ended up in, because at that time I was attending a lot of conferences and representing them because they were our outsourcing entity. I actually ended up at, um, in Davos uh, 2020 um, with you know a really good friend of mine who I'm melting Malta. His name is uh, Mamadou who runs Ubuntu tribe. 
and we launched the first Africa night. And it was the first time that I felt like I knew exactly what it needed to happen at that point. I felt a family, you know, build around me during Davos week, you know, just this is during the World Economic Forum in 2020, met so many amazing connections. And as I left Davos, flying into Dusseldorf and then Paris later on, and then London, I had a one-on-one -on -one with my CEO partner. Um, and that was when I said, I think it's time for me to sever ties. I think it's time for me to, you know, let go of my role as a partner and go on my own path because I felt like my efforts within that entity have failed. Um, it was like a heartbreak. Funny enough, I don't remember feeling as devastated leaving my marriage as I did leaving that partnership. And I knew at that instant that this was it. And so after Davos, I cried my heart out, by the way, in London, when I had said this, you know, after that Zoom call ended, I, I was meeting, I think, like a, a global um, head of customer success for, for Gainsight, Dan, <laughs> at that time. And he calls me, he's like, Marion, I'm downstairs. I pick up the phone, like, and he's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I'm like, well, no, I just quit my partnership and I'm devastated, but I can still meet you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So I kind of shared with him this whole journey of like what I was going against and what I really wanted to do and how I wanted to instill a change and not knowing how to do that at one point, you know, um, and he gave me some really good, you know, advice. He was a really great sage, you know, he and I are like great friends till, till today. And then from there, I flew directly to the Philippines because um, Davos was end of January and end of February was my birthday. So I felt, you know, I'm going to spend my birthday in the Philippines with this, they were called ninjas, this group of people who I have fallen in love with, fallen in love with the past year or two, and just kind of pick up their brain. And maybe they can give me ideas on like, you know, what the next chapter of my life would look like and how I can instill change. Um, and in that birthday party, there were about 50 of them who attended from that previous company. And I found out because I didn't know that the CEO had, had, had announced that I already severed the partnership. And so everybody in the Philippines knew I was, I was quitting, you know, um, we, we were still in good terms um, about it. They know I was celebrating my birthday, celebrating my birthday, but at <laughs> my birthday party, they announced that they had quit and they're like, we're going to join you, Miss Mary. And I'm like, join me in what, what are they going to do? You know? And they're like, no, no, we're, we're going to start this and we're going to, and I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and then I went back and COVID hit, you know, and I thought about it and COVID gave me an opportunity to be like, you know what, let's just jump off. Let's, let's do it. So, you know, I know first and foremost, before COVID even happening, I wanted to focus on the women who weren't allowed to work remote because that was the biggest problem, this huge stigma in the Philippines that, oh, you can't trust, you know, the workers to work remote because they get spoiled and they think they work remote, then they try to cheat the system. You know, this is an example of like very toxic Filipino leadership, you know, of like, no, let me just macro micromanage you to the T and make sure you don't breathe until I tell you you can breathe, you know? And so to me, it's like, what a wonderful opportunity during COVID now 
you know, to be able to provide remote work for women who are single mothers like myself, who, you know, need a balance of family life, yet at the same time have to provide for that same family. And so I built the model for Meridian there. And, you know, I remember the first, the first woman I actually employed through Meridian is a 61-year-old grandmother, single grandmother. She was also half American. She's a you know, her, her father was American, her mom was Filipina. Um, but she has been forever working for the tourist uh, department of tourism, I think for over 30 years. And then because of the pandemic, they laid her off. So she saw one of my ads on Facebook and she contacted me directly. And I said, I need you. And she's like, are you serious? She's like, I could still qualify for like an outsourcing job, which is in, over there in the Philippines because you deal with computers, it's remote. So it's considered a tech job. And I said, absolutely, I'll train you, we'll train you, we'll, and then hold your hand until you're ready to go. Until this day, about two and a half years later, she's still with us. Actually, I was on a Zoom with her yesterday, and she was talking about, she's like, you know, Marion, you still remember when we got together the first time? I said, yes, I do, moms, and I call her moms, because <laughs> everybody in the company calls her moms. But, you know, it's, it's stories like hers that fill my heart and fill you know, that purpose um, that I'm trying to fulfill in the Philippines. Um, you know, Meridian has kind of been my heart project. That's why we have the hearts in the back as, as our logo. So that's kind of the long and short of what- There is so much going on there. Like, I just hear this mm -hmm. passion that you have and there's a lot that speaks to your leadership and, and people wanting to follow you and just say like, no, we're here and we're going to start this. And it's almost like you didn't have a choice, but in that, right, you were able to create something that filled your heart with joy, gave you a purpose and, and, you know, gave them a purpose. And, and I, I love hearing about people who are able to fill a gap. And, and that gap, I think, is not just a, a gap in the business world, right? There are lots of gaps in the business world, right? But it, it feels like you filled a gap somewhere in here. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, that's the point, right? There you know, through the, the last two and a half years of seeing, we've experienced a huge growth, like I think 800%, like our first four, five months, and it's still kind of like growing, right? Um, but the purpose has never really, or the focus has never really been, you know, profit or numbers. It is always just being about how many lives are we affecting? How many lives are we changing? And I get this whole sense of like this hero coming, you know, to the Philippines. And I always tell my people, I said, you know what, the reality of it is there's a lot of guilt fixed to it. Let me tell you why. I said, I took on that challenge because my heart was broken. And, you know, call it escapism, call it finding my purpose, but there was a void that needed to be filled. And when I came across, you know, you guys, it was almost immediate. 
Like, you know, I didn't, no questions asked. When you guys asked for my help, it was almost like this was the next thing to do. This was the right thing to do. And so the guilt comes from, am I really helping these people? Because I know in my heart I do it because it makes me feel good, you know? Or, and, and I just recently had this question, you know, a discussion with my friend Christophe uh, in, in Dubai about it, where, you know, there are certain individuals whose purpose in life is really to heal. And as much as, you know, I feel like I'm healing them through improving their lives, they're actually in turn healing me. So, yeah. and I, I tell a lot of people because, you know, the, the whole thing of like being a CEO and traveling the world and, you know, having a great mission sounds like it's a dream and like I'm living the life, but, you know, everybody has, voids in their in their hearts that need filling at some point we we all come from a lot of traumas throughout our lives that we hold on to and you know part of growing as an individual is you know embracing that trauma and understanding the root and understanding how to improve upon it you know and so I always say you know it sounds very glamorous and it sounds like it's a great thing, but really, you know, no great thing stems from, you know, milk and honey. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> yeah. You, you put together a group of individuals who come from so much pain and usually what grows out of that is something beautiful. Um, and, and I'd like to believe that's kind of how Meridian came about. I love that. Yeah. Building something great is hard work right? It's hard work. This is why I got sick last week is like all my friends calling from across are like, Mary, and you need to stop. And even my teammates, and we call each other teammates in the Philippines, Miss Marion, please stop. You need to rest and, you know, take care because they know I just go back to back to back. But you know what they say, right? When you love what you do, you're not working a day in your life. So it's, it's, it's a hard thing to kind of stop and just put away. Yeah. Now, do you find yourself challenged to find that that balance of rest right because you're uh, obviously you're doing a, a lot of different things right and you've got a you're you're juggling a lot of different different things in the air is that is that a challenge for you finding that time to just kind of relax and recharge absolutely absolutely um i think I think I posted about this on LinkedIn. I don't know if you recall, maybe two weeks ago or so, because I have been after the holidays, I just, and we had like a launch with this. I sit on a board for this uh, tribe called Ubuntu tribe, which is a, um, a gold back token. And so we did our launch in March. And so ever since the beginning of this year, all the way through March and actually today, you know, I've just been hitting it hard traveling from the Philippines to the Maldives, to London, to Belgium, back to Dubai twice, Egypt, you know, you name it. And I just realized it's like, I've always been like, oh, I need to, I need to find balance. I need to do self-care. I need to do this. Cause you know, as a single mother, my daughter is now here in New York, you know, for her first year in college, I have my two boys in the Bay area still, my parents are still there. I have my team in the Philippines. And so I shuttle back and forth and try to be a mother, a daughter, a friend, you know, a CEO for both. And, you know, so it, it gets overwhelming. So I think it's just understanding that there's no perfect 
perfect life. There is no such thing as a balance. Um, you just choose what, what resonates most with you, what your priorities. That's just all about priorities. But, you know, it's give and take. You, you can't have everything. So, yes, I, I'm, I, I'm not, you know, with my children enough. Um, but there's a part of me that knows I've raised my children on my own to a level where I've raised them to become independent and confident and know and feel secure that even though I'm traveling the world, they know that there's a purpose that I'm serving um, and that they will always have me. Right. Um, my mom is the same way. I'm, I'm very close being the firstborn. She's the type that would like call me every day. And if she doesn't hear from me, she'll call 911, you know, <laughs> uh, but now she's learned to understand that I've taken on this mission and that my life is partly dedicated to this part. And so, you know, there are hard days. Actually, there's a lot. I, I you know, traveling alone is very lonely. This is a side of a lot of women because we're always so, you know, focused on trying to show strength and that we can handle it all. And then we're great multitaskers. And, you know, this is another thing that I've raised during one of my speeches uh, for women in tech is that, you know, there is a certain level of peace and power affixed to uh, showing reality and showing vulnerability as a woman. You know, there are days where I am exhausted and I find myself in a hotel room by myself and crying myself to sleep because I'm lonely. I miss my children. I wish I could be there for them every day. I think about my parents, especially during COVID, you know, the risk of, you know, having somebody like me who travels often and the risk of infecting them, um, you know, the frustration of, feeling like I also want to be with my team in the Philippines, even though we're remote, because I only get to see them at least, uh, you know, twice or three times a year during the pandemic. And I wish it could be more because, you know, I think we really do work well together whenever we're together. So, you know, there, there's really no level of balance, anybody or a standard to balance. Everybody just has to take, you know, what their priorities is and, and, have a lot of gratitude. That's usually what helps me, especially I've had the last, probably one of the most challenging last three days in my entire career, the last three days, just one of those days where it just rains and pours, you know, it's like, oh, it's not enough that this thing is not working and this and this, oh, <laughs> and by the way, let me just give you a flu, you know, and, and, you know, feeling like I'm running this by myself. And, there is a humbling message I got on LinkedIn. I was sharing this with one of my partners. And at the end of the day, I cried myself to sleep, not because I felt overwhelmed by the challenges, but I felt so humbled. You know, in times where, especially as a woman, where there, you've kind of been placed on this pedestal as you have to make it work because society expects you to make it work. Otherwise, you're a failed individual, right? Um, that's kind of ingrained into us. Um, I'm crying about the challenges that I have. And then yet I get this message come across me from LinkedIn. And it just humbled me to realize there are so many more women who are going through far more. And so you know what, you need to like, shake it off, wipe those tears, because you know what, you're meant, you're meant to be here. You could be worse. We have a war going on in Ukraine and you so many women and children. I can't even imagine, you know, what they're going through right now, right? 
um, a lot of women in Africa who don't know when, you know, where, where they'll get the next meal from. And so I'm like, what are you crying about? You dedicated yourself for a mission. And you should be so honored to be in, in the place that you're in, to have you're in, to have these challenges, because you bring forth so much inspiration to so many women. What an honor to have that, you know, responsibility. So yeah, I, I was just crying. I'm like, thank you. Thank you, Source, for reminding me, you know, what gratitude and how gratitude just changes one's perspective. And, you know, set me back on the course, you know, and focus on what needs to happen and feel good at the same time about it, you know, doing it. So. I think yeah. that's an amazing perspective that you have. And you're right. There is no perfect life, right? And, and everything that we do is, it's like this giant yeah. series of trade-offs. <laughs> like, Yes, I, I want to be more successful at this. And that means I need to spend maybe a little less time with my family. And I want to spend time with my family, but I also, you know, want to provide for my family and, and I, I want to do this and I want to do that. And, you know, we just have to navigate, like, where are we willing to make trade-offs? Because we're going to have to make trade-offs. Like, you're just going to have to live. And you're going to make decisions and those decisions may have consequences that have both good and bad sides to them. That's and it. I love that you've, you've given yourself the permission to go out and, and do things that are difficult. They're, they're hard to do. And um, they're, as you mentioned earlier, I think they're doubly hard to do as a woman because of some of the expectations that society has for particularly for mothers right absolutely so thank you so much for sharing that i i find your story really inspirational and i know that you uh <laughs> you are battling out there to make things better for people. And I think that's the thing that I really love is that you, you really are driven by helping other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in hopes of inspiring others, like, look, there's a way for us to profit. There's a way for us to create a business that actually still gives back, right. Provides impact. Yeah. And it, what a, what a more, fulfilling way to accomplish something versus just, oh, I raised so-and-so much money. Oh, I'm profiting so-and-so, or, you know, we're growing by this much and like that, but versus, you know, you know, how many lives of women we've changed and, you know, provided opportunities for, you know, that struggling uh, high school graduate who can't even afford to go to college and, you know, provide free training for them so they can, you know, have a chance at a decent job. Um, you know, to help uplift the lives of their families, you know, it is, those are, that's the legacy I want my children, you know, to think about that I've left them. Um, and even for the Philippines, because um, I always ask my children, like, oh, any of you want to intern for me or take over? And they look, I, I don't even think I, I want to do what you're doing, you know? And so <laughs> I, I revert back to my team in the Philippines and I say, look, one day I'm going to be gone. And you guys are going to have to uphold and, and pass on this baton. Um, and so, you know, knowing that I've set forth and started that, and it's something that I'm committed to, like, seeing through, 
till my last days, actually, you know, I want this to get passed over, handed over from generations to come. It's, um, you know, it's, it's quite a fulfilling thing. I think this has been the most inspiring episode of Next in Q to date. And I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time. I know that you're not feeling well and <laughs> your, your voice is, is not all that it can be. Um, but I, I told you this morning, I'm like, your personality is going to shine through whether your voice is, is fully up to it or not. And I know that that has happened today. So thank you so much. I am honored. No, thank you. You have been nothing but wonderful, supportive, and super patient uh, with the whole, you know, rescheduling with the travel and everything and now being sick. You have been the most gracious and um, what do you call the supportive friend that I have on LinkedIn. And, you know, I, I wish you well. You you know, provide this level of energy that every time I hop on a Zoom with you, it just, you know, <laughs> big smile on my face and it feels so good. Thank you so much, Rob. And if there's anything I can do on my end to support you um, and your efforts and your content, you know, you always have a friend here. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And we will absolutely stay in touch. Awesome. And hey, get better. Thank and uh, I wish you continued success. And uh, I can't wait to chat with you again. All right. Same with me. Thank you. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. Bye, Marion. Bye.